Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown, now part of the Global Ag Network with Chip Nellinger. Chip, how you doing today, bud? Hey, good. It, uh, it's crazy. It just seemed like uh, a few hours ago we were talking on Tuesday, so it was a fast week. Yeah, it was. A lot of stuff, and a lot of stuff happened this week. You know, uh, it's just this, uh, the hog thing has kind of got me a little little perplexed here, why the markets haven't moved more than what they have. I think a lot of it's probably just some, I don't know, probably some lack of information or slow information coming out of China, what's happening with the, with the overall uh, African swine flu that's that's over there right now, but moreover, there's that's having an effect on kind of what we're seeing as far as global demand for soybeans go. Yeah, there's a lot of moving moving parts there. Um, so hogs for sure have been a little bit of a disappointment given what's going on with the uh, African swine uh, flu issue. Uh, I think part of it is you just don't know um, what's what just yet. So. You know, there's a lot of indications that uh, it's much worse than what uh, they let on over there. There's some uh, some people, uh, I guess, in the know that are thinking that, you know, that has affected uh, 20% of the entire uh, hog herd over there. Uh, so that is a big, big number of animals. <clears throat> I think on the backside of that, though, um, you just had a lot of selling pressure. The funds have been uh, selling hogs, um, you know, it uh, looks like almost on a daily basis, pushing us into new lows. Um, we have a lot of supplies here. And I think there's also some disappointment um, that something, ha- and this just spills over into the grains as well, that this China trade issue has drug on uh, as long as it has. Uh, they are making good progress, and there was some, some news on that over uh, the weekend here, and actually later, uh, uh, I guess earlier uh, this evening, um, right ahead, I don't know, it was about 4.30, 4 to 5 um, central time that the president tweeted that um, talks are going well. Uh, there's uh, an upcoming meeting being scheduled between uh, the President Trump and the Chinese president. Um, he's going to kind of uh, withhold on taking any action on March 1st, uh, which is where he was going to increase the tariffs. So that has been uh, delayed for the uh, time being. Uh, there was an announcement Friday that, uh, uh, from Secretary Purdue that uh, China is going to take 10 million uh, metric tons of beans. Additionally, uh, above and beyond the 10 million tons that they took a few weeks ago, no specifics on you know timing of that, if that's old crop, new crop, or when that's going to happen. But back to the hog issue, you know, there just has been no specifics, uh, a lot of hope that China is going to uh, take a bunch of U.S. pork uh, as part of a, a trade deal, and uh, just hasn't happened yet. I think there's a lot of disappointment uh, that uh, nothing concrete has come out from that. That's really what we need right now. We're kind of, um, on the one hand, you've got probably things worse uh, in China um, than what they've let on. 
But here um, domestically, we've got just a mountain of uh, pork that we're swimming in and, you know, expansion that's taken place over the last couple of years. And uh, we're just kind of getting swallowed up domestically in big supply. So we need the demand side of that equation, uh, hopefully from China, we just don't have any specifics yet. And markets hate um, unknowns. And so it's just easy every day for the funds and speculators to just keep selling this thing, sell it, sell it, sell it. And we did have a bounce on Friday um, in hogs, uh, again, kind of uh, in, in hopes that uh, there's some specifics announced. There was a lot of talk that uh, China's going to take uh, $30 billion of additional uh, U.S. ag products a year above and beyond the, the 17 level. So, I mean, there's people thinking that it could be close to $50 billion a year that they're going to take uh, in U.S. ag products. But again, there hasn't been anything uh, concrete. So, you know, it's really weighed on the, the hog market. Um, wheat is kind of similar. Um, you know, some friendly things going on in the wheat market, but we can't seem to get much going there. Um, so we'll see. You know, I think uh, everyone, myself included, uh, is getting kind of tired of this, uh, you know, on again, off again, trade war, and it's going well one day, it's miles apart the next, and but right now it does look like we're, we're moving this thing along. It, uh, there's some stories out of the weekend kind of insinuating that uh, President Trump is getting a little bit uh, tired of this thing dragging on, and kind of politically needs a win and wants to get something done. So hopefully we're, um, you know, close to that. It still may take a few more weeks and uh, we don't know any specifics yet about these uh, $30 billion and what that's going to include. Let's hope it's some pork. Let's hope it's some beef. Uh, obviously it's, it's beans involved, but there's been talk that it's going to be U.S. corn and wheat as well. So we just, um, you know, trudge along here. Now we are um, having a nice, a nice start to the uh, trading week here in grains in the overnight. You have beans up about nine cents, corn up about three off of that news um, that we're uh, not going to increase the tariffs on March 1st, that China's going to take additional beans. So, um, so far we are higher uh, in our grain trade here to start Sunday night out, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see, you know, all bets are off when it comes to this trade deal and uh, we need to get some specifics that we just, Great for the market if we could get uh, lined out what those specific quantities, products are, and, um, you know, kind of get to get that behind us. And then we can kind of start trading uh, again normally because we don't really have um, free markets right now. Right. Um, you know, we just got kind of handcuffed and we're held back. We've got a noose around our neck because of this China trade issue. So it'd be nice to get that in the rear view mirror and kind of get back to normal and start trading what we need to be trading, which is, you know, supply, demand, weather, planting, the upcoming growing season, rather than all this unknown about China right now. Right. <clears throat> all right. So speaking of wheat, wheat is, man, I'll tell you what, there for a while I had a pretty good run, did, did some good things, but this last two, three weeks especially have just been brutal on the wheat market. So as you look out there at the wheat market, what do you see any kind of positive signs that we're going to see some rebound in wheat anytime soon? Well, again, uh, not to beat a dead horse, uh, this China thing, there's been a lot of talk several times where there's smoke, there's fire, that it's going to include some, some U.S. wheat and some U.S. corn. Um, but again, until we see the, the, the final uh, confirmation of that, 
uh, it's it's up in the air, and, and the funds have sold a lot. They're they're now short. We're not caught up yet from the uh, government shutdown of the commitment of traders. So um, I, at this point, I would say the funds have a pretty healthy short position. So that is supported. That if we can get a spark, um, get the funds uh, running for the exit, we can we can see some nice buying interest in there. Um, we're another positive is I think that we're fairly priced now uh, and competitive in the world. We did get on uh, Friday morning uh, kind of a data dump on exports that caught us back up um, to current from when the government was shut down and um, you know the wheat number was uh, a little bit higher than expected so we're, we've done well we're, we're competitive we're starting to sell some wheat but uh, unfortunately there's you know still wheat coming out of Russia and that's an unknown to the market domestically their their domestic wheat prices continue to rise um, but yet they continue to put wheat out on the open market. So that's a confusing signal right there that uh, has been a little bit negative uh, to wheat. So unfortunately, wheat and hogs are just really the weak, the weak sisters in here. You got some better things happening in, in, in corn and beans uh, and cattle, but uh, boy, wheat and, uh, and hogs, uh, and that's a supply issue. There's uh, just a ton of wheat around. There's a ton of... Uh, of pork uh, around and we expanded that industry and so um, that's half the battle right there half the equation is the the supply side and there is no shortage of uh, either wheat or pork right now right all right so let's bounce over to the cattle market for a minute um when you were on tuesday you would hit uh you talked about that cattle hit some some uh some technical areas where there you could see some some pressure downward. So, how did the week finish up with on well, the cattle market, and and what does that rebound look like going into next week? Yeah, so we had a big um, big reversal um, on Thursday to the downside. Um, a lot of times, those produce follow through to the downside and some selling coming into the time frame where you could typically see a seasonal um, top happen. But uh, we had a cattle on feed report out Friday after the close. It was uh, it's a month old, so we're catching up from last month because of government shutdown. Um, but it was a little bit friendly, and uh, that's uh, something we haven't um, said much in the last year. Is that cattle on feed report's friendly? So uh, the numbers were on the low side of expectations. Um, this weather has been abysmal, so um, you know weights can continue to come down. We've got uh, problems out there. Um, you know, with weight gain and it's just just horrendous conditions all winter long, and it's not getting much better. Um, you know, blizzard conditions in uh, some areas of Iowa and, and uh, Nebraska right now. It's just it's been horrible. So uh, that's the battle we we have. Um, we set uh, in the uh, June contract and the April um, new contract high closes. We didn't quite make a new high in the April, but the highest close that we've seen. Um, happened, uh, I believe, on Wednesday of last week in the uh, April contract. So there's still life out there. There's still some things to be supported. And, um, you know, I think the potential for higher prices, especially given some of the feeding conditions out there. But you really have to keep that in the back of your mind uh, if you're a cattle producer uh, and be ready to reward these rallies and, uh, and lock some profitable levels in. The April contract uh, is, is really profitable right now. The June and the August are going to be a little bit tougher, but um, you know if you see these June 120 and north, I think you have to look at that as an opportunity to get some hedges in place, keep the top side open. So whether that's short futures with calls attached, 
um, or just buying puts um, because you still can see a spike uh, if you get this uh, demand heated up and and, uh, and and weights continuing to drop, carcass weights because of the poor feeding conditions. It could be a little bit explosive out there. So um, you have to look at the opportunity while you have it, lock it in in some way, shape, or form, uh, in my opinion, especially to get to north of 120 in the, in the June contract through this coming week. Right on. All right, so farmers are out, producers are out right now talking to their bankers about lines of credit and what their operating notes are going to look like. So obviously they're, they're looking at their input costs, and if you take a look at uh, you know what, what fertilizer and seed looks like so far this year, that they're going to be a little more expensive than they were last year, so planting is an important part of that. How has the oil market really started to affect those, uh, those, uh, the fuels market as far as like diesel and gasoline go? Yeah, so um, the energy markets definitely uh, have had a big run higher here. Um, there were plenty of uh, opportunities, though, to, to get, um, you know, diesel fuel and, and unleaded locked in at, at lower levels. Um, and not even on the lows, the, the, that market kind of gave us some good hints that uh, it was uh, it was ready to, to go higher. And it was one of the only areas uh, that did see lower input costs uh, year over year. So um, hopefully a lot of guys were able to get some stuff locked in at lower levels. Um, the, the products, uh, heating oil and leaded, really had a sharp move higher up into to new uh, multi-month highs and it drug uh, crude oil higher as well. So I don't know that we've seen the top uh, in these energy markets. It's a double-edged sword, you know. I mean, this kind of talking out both sides of our mouths there. But uh, crude oil is, you don't know what to root for, right? Because uh, we're, we're consumers, we're users of, of crude oil, obviously, uh, on the farm. Um, but it also uh, helps out ethanol profitability. So that's been one thing that... Uh, you know, has really struggled here for corn is uh, ethanol margins have really been in the tank. They've come back a little bit with uh, this move higher that we've seen recently in, in crude oil. Uh, and so let's hope that, uh, you know, you can at least from a, a, a corn demand standpoint, um, hold these uh, ethanol margins together. And again, that kind of circles back to this whole trade war issue and the, and the hog problem they're having in China. Uh, as meal demand has kind of uh, taken a nosedive, it brought soy meal prices sharply lower. That took away some of the profitability um, and, and uh, you know usage on the DDG side, and that's where some of the ethanol profitability started running into some problems. So it's all interrelated here: energy markets, currency markets. Um, you know, it's a, it's very definitely a world market that we're in right now. So hopefully, we can uh, knock on wood here, get this trade thing behind us, and kind of. Uh, get back to normal a little bit to where you can, you know, uh, see the markets uh, uh, do what they need to do and not be handcuffed by all this uncertainty. Right. Well, plenty of stuff going on as usual, Chip. Guys need to reach out to you and talk about their plan or help get one devised. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just call our office, 309-550-7213. We'd love to chat with you. You hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult in this environment. Uh, margins have shrank. Um, you know, those conversations with the banker uh, aren't, uh, aren't fun necessarily, but uh, having a plan is really critical. And, um, you know, it's where you can shine. It's where you can get competitive advantages on the risk management side and, and the marketing side. 
We've got uh, some some things happening here in the weather we didn't talk about either. The south oh, yeah. is uh, really, really wet, <clears throat> getting more rain, uh, flood warnings, uh, Tennessee, Alabama. I mean, those guys down there should be thinking about, uh, you know, time to, to kind of get uh, some field work going and, and uh, planting here in the next uh, couple, two, three weeks in a lot of those areas, and they're just getting swamped with rain. So, um, you know, you got to have a plan out there. It's as critical uh, as it has been uh, maybe in the last decade to have a plan and, and uh, use the volatility that we're going to see in the markets uh, to your advantage. And, and you can only do that if you have a plan and then execute on that plan. What, what's the first domino to fall when they start looking at the weather markets, Chip? You know, I, I meant to talk about the weather, and, I, and thanks for bringing it up, but there was... You know, if they miss some some key windows, then the south, um, and they don't, and they fall back two, three weeks back behind. Obviously, they can make up a lot of ground real quick. You know, when it comes time to uh, uh, start planting stuff, but we're still talking about guys that have standing soybeans in the field that haven't even got stuff. You know, taken care of from from last fall. You know, going in now. So when does yeah. that when does that first domino fall that the market's going to start saying, "Holy crap, we got a weather issue here." Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, that's that's tough to say um, because of what you said. We, we're we're going to get the crop planted, right? We can get a lot of, of seed in the ground in a hurry. We're we're geared up for that. Um, but I think the key is, and um, this is important for beans as it is corn now, is early planting, especially in the south, because you got multiple things. In. Early planting anywhere, I think it's probably been, and I'm not an agronomist, but uh, it's been proven that, uh, you know, early planted stuff gives you the best opportunity um, for the best yields, corn and beans both. Now, down south, though, um, you, you've got the double-edged sword there. If, they're, if they get behind, then they're more subject to having uh, corn, um, you know, pollinate and mature uh, in, in the heat uh, of the summer, potentially. Now, last year was a kind of an outlier because we didn't see a lot of heat in the south, and that was one of the reasons we... Um, you know, we're able to see such a high national average yield. But, um, you know, July, August, it gets hot. And uh, the later that stuff's planted down there, the, the more subject they are to, you know, heat stress and pollination um, and, uh, and grain fill. So it's pretty critical. To answer your question, I, I think that probably you're starting already to, to see a little bit uh, of influence from that weather. Certainly once we, um, uh, you know, Friday's March 1st, it's crazy. Um, you know, the winter's uh, uh, rapidly uh, getting behind us here. But I think as you get into maybe the 10th, 15th of March, if we're still struggling with this cold, wet weather, especially down south, uh, you will definitely start seeing uh, the market, uh, I think, build in a little extra premium. So uh, it's a day-by-day thing. Uh, the market is definitely going to watch that two-week forecast. Right now, I mean, uh, you know, blizzard conditions, it's cold, uh, it's wet, there's water standing in fields, the south is getting... Uh, pummeled with rain. It doesn't look like it's uh, uh, got the makings for an early spring right now. So that's definitely something the market's going to watch going forward. Say, um, you know, not this coming week, but but the week after, once you get into March, we're still fighting this stuff. I think it probably starts becoming uh, a little more of a supportive factor to the corn market. Right on. Okay. And one last thing, and then we will close it down. <laughs> if you had a... Uh article out this weekend or yeah i think it was this weekend i read it either friday or saturday one of the two where i read it talking about <clears throat> corn's going to be king again this year um 
playing more more corn acres than they did last year, and looked like soybean acres were going to be down around fourteen million acres or something like that, if I remember correctly. What's your what's your take on that, and how do you see that affecting the marketplace? Yeah, so I think what you're talking about is the Ag Outlook Forum right. um, that, that happens uh, every year this time in, in February, about the third week of February. Yep. Uh, so we had that last week. Um, I, I you have to take that with a grain of salt, right? So that's that's a different. Um, section different part of the USDA uh, but they do put out some balance sheet numbers and make some projections so they uh, they see corn acres uh, up I think about 4.1 million I think beans were down uh, three or a little more um, again you take it with a grain of salt but um, I'm still scratching my head based on what you said earlier inputs being up cost being up um, I don't know where we're going to pick up uh, all these acres Mother Nature may have the final say so in that anyway. Um, uh, you know, based on what we talked about earlier, kind of looks like maybe a, a slow, uh, cold, wet start to spring here, the way it looks today. Um, but we'll see. So, you know, even with that being said, even if we do plant four million more acres of corn, this demand that we're seeing, if it stays strong, and especially if you get China uh, buying some U.S. corn, um, they also saw that um and they don't have anything projected in there for uh, for china but demand they saw increasing and even though we were going to plant more acres they see the carryout shrinking just a little bit at that ag outlook point so that's a good thing uh, again you got to take those with a grain of salt so that's kind of a long-range economic forecast um you know what they say about economists i was a i was an econ major in college so i'm right in there but uh, you know you get uh, you get 10 economists in the room you're going to get uh, 14 uh, 14 answers or something like that. So, um, but you know, a little bit of a bright spot there, even with more acres, they see good demand. Um, we'll see, we'll see that, uh, that report's coming out uh, 29th of March. It's going to be a big day. You get a quarterly stocks report, but more importantly, you got the prospective planning support. So that's still, you know, four, uh, almost five weeks out, but, um, you know, I'd say, uh, 10 days down the road, the market's really going to be kind of looking ahead to that. Number one, watching the weather, number two, kind of jockeying for what uh, they think uh, that uh, acreage report will say. Right on. Okay. Do you think if, if it does stay wet like it's been uh, after after wheat harvest and if there's if this is kind of turned into a where it might be a, a tougher than normal wheat harvest, could you see some a, a spike in double crop beans going back in behind that wheat? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've talked to a lot of people um, – uh, in wheat areas, both, um, you know, here in the Eastern Corn Belt uh, and out your way, um, those wheat acres, I mean, sounds to me like uh, full season beans um, are, are going to be what would be most prevalent to go into those acres that were intended to be wheat but didn't get planted. Um, so, I mean, that could maybe, you know, definitely be, be an influence um, if you see that. So I really think this acreage thing isn't as clear cut as maybe what the market thinks right now. So in my mind, coming into this, uh, the, the whole market thinks, um, I think, starting to think, especially given the outlook for them saying 4.1 million more corn acres, that's a pretty high bar. So I, I see a potential surprise if we don't come out uh, and, and it's three and a half, four million more corn acres. If it's only two and a half million, um, I think that's supportive to corn, uh, but if it's a late cold start to, to spring here, 
you know, that starts being, um, you know, maybe maybe you don't lose as many bean acres as you think. And, and I think the wheat acres that didn't get planted is kind of a wild card, too. So this thing could get really interesting here in the next uh, six or eight weeks as you get to the acreage report and then kind of see how spring's going to start. But, um, you know, boys down south, you got to be scratching your head. You know, if you're, uh, you got flood warnings right now, uh, that's not the time of year to be having that. So, you almost have to assume that uh, they're they're going to be a little bit delayed to to start the the spring off uh, down there because you know the next few weeks here uh, I say few couple two three weeks uh, they should be putting some corn in the ground you know parts of Alabama uh, Mississippi and uh, it doesn't look like that's gonna gonna happen right now. Well, all right, Chip. Now folks want to reach out to you and talk about the marketing <laughs> plan. How would they do that? Uh, just call us, uh, 309-550-7213. We'd love to uh, chat with you and uh, uh, try to uh, help you out with your marketing plan. So uh, just give us a call. We'll be, be happy to talk. Right on. All right, Chip. Well, you can find Chip on Twitter if you want to, at Blue Reef Ag or at Blue Reef. What's your, what is it? Blue Reef, Blue Reef Trader, right? Uh, yes, Blue Reef Trader yeah. uh, is uh, is my personal one. Then we've got uh, Blue, Reef uh, Ag. Blue Reef Ag. Yep. Uh, is the company. All right. So. so check that out. You can find Moving Iron Podcast on the Global Ag Network, globalagnetwork.com, movingironllc.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, and YouTube Live to watch the show live anytime that it's on here. So, Chip, till next time, have a good rest of the week, and we'll talk to you then. Sounds good. Have a good week. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out GlobalAgNetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, The Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.